Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We would consider that a great day together, Father, if you do those things. We ask you to accomplish this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to Passion. We're so glad you're here. I'm not going to belabor the point. You know what we're doing. We're in Voices. It's a special series we do every year where we invite special guests, uh, some of the best preaching that you'll hear all year. And uh, this morning is certainly no exception. In fact, we just keep raising the bar. Um, and so we're delighted this morning to welcome a special guest, a very good friend to our family, my personal family, and also to our family. Some of you experienced his ministry on Wednesday night uh, last fall when we did a, uh, a four-week, I don't know how he pulled this off, but four weeks in Revelation, and he taught the whole book of Revelation in four weeks. I don't know how you do that, uh, but he did it anyway, and it was a masterpiece of what he, what he did. But uh, I, I invited Dr. Terry Trammell to come and deliver the word this morning because He's proven. He has a track record. Uh, he has a record, y'all. Some of y'all, that means something else. But, but he has a record. He has a track record of being faithful to the Word and faithful in ministry. And uh, he's a, I would, the way I would uh, introduce him is like this. He's a prince of preachers. In our circle, in, our, in what, what we call denomination, in our denomination, he's right up there at the top. Uh, one of the best of our entire denomination. And we are uh, in for such a treat. And it is our privilege and our honor this morning uh, to give him his liberty. Would you give him his liberty this morning? Don't be watching your watch. Come on, Dr. Trammell. Um, he's going to deliver the word. Hey, listen, we went longer in worship this morning, but that's okay. You have all the time you need, all right? Because we had donuts for dads in the morning, this morning out there, so you shouldn't be hungry. So stick with him this morning. Dr. Trammell, you. take your liberty and bring the word this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, and thank all of you for that greeting. It is a joy to be back at Passion today, and we've looked forward to uh, coming. I'm so thrilled my family is able to be here with me, and we know it's a special day. And, and uh, Pastor Steve, thank you, and Sister Julie, for allowing us to come one more time and to be with your people. I'm aware of the series. You've had great preaching already um, the first two Sundays of this month. Between you and I, you have great preaching year-round. Amen? Amen. Amen. But what's unique about Pastor Steve is that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of pastors that would, would uh, trust uh, um, uh, voices, not just every now and then somebody has one come in, but uh, multiple voices for an entire month to hear the same truth that the pastor is sharing, but from uh, a different voice sound. And so it's a high honor to uh, come and to be here and thank the Lord for his presence for the worship time, for how the Lord has already moved and getting the ground ready. So we just thank the Lord for it. Well, it is Father's Day, and I was reminded of the, uh, the pastor that had a little girl that was about six years old, and she said, Daddy, I have a question. And he said, What is it? And she said, Every Sunday before you get up to preach, I see you on the platform, and you always close your eyes, and it looks like you're saying words. What are you doing? And he's saying, well, I'm asking the Lord to help me preach a good sermon that day. And she said, well, why doesn't he do it? <laughs> and so I am, I'm always very conscious 
of the difference between our ability and then the Lord's ability. Amen. When he, when he helps us. Um, I, there are so many friends here that we're, I see as we're worshiping with. Uh, thank you for coming. Some of you knew I was going to be here and you came anyway. Amen. Thank the Lord for his day. Now let's look to his word. I'm going to read from Matthew 25 this morning and begin reading in verse 14. Matthew 25 and verse 14. This is the middle parable of three parables that Jesus ended his Olivet Discourse with in found in Matthew 25. Begin reading in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and he delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and he hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the earth, and lo, there thou hast that is thine. I'm going to stop the reading right there. And I was reflecting this morning on my own precious father that's now been with the Lord for over ten years, and some of you knew my mother and dad and knew that they were singing people and had a great music ministry all of my life. And for the title of the message I feel on my heart to present to you, I want to borrow the words of an old gospel song that I heard my mom and dad sing many times. It simply said, little is much when God is in it. Do you remember the song? Whether or not you knew the song or not, you can identify with the truth little is much when God is in it. I don't just want to use that song for the title. It had three verses in it, and I want to use those three verses of that old song alongside of the Scripture to present the outline that I hope to follow in your hearing today. And I know what some of you are saying right away. You're thinking, oh no, not another three-point sermon outline. The last thing we need is another three-point sermon. Listen, if you've ever heard one that had 13 points or 23 points, 
You'll be glad for a three-pointer. Do I have a witness in the house? Between you and I, some of them have had no point at all. Some of them that I preached on the way home, you're saying, what was that, you know? Okay, so the three are very easy to follow. Here's the way that the song went for you that never heard it. Verse 1 simply said, in the harvest field now ripened. There's a work for us all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling. Hear Him calling. He's calling you. Verse 2 said, does the place you're called to labor Seems so small and little known. It is great if God is in it. And He will not forsake His own. Verse 3 said, When the conflict here is ended, and our race on earth is run, He will say, if we are faithful, come my child, you've made it home. And the chorus simply said, little is much. When God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it. If you'll go in Jesus' name. So I want, to, I, 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 I want to use those three verses and these three thoughts. I want to talk to you about this harvest that is the background for this story. And simply talk to you about the, the call to the harvest and the commitment to the harvest. And finally, the conclusion to the harvest. Is it okay if I put the cookies on the low shelf this morning where everybody can get a hold of them? I don't, I'm not sure I could preach over anybody's head that's here if I wanted to, but why not just put it out there where all of us can understand it and get a hold of it and, and receive the word of the Lord. I used to tell them when I tried to teach the, the, uh, the preaching class at the college, I would, I would say, you know, uh, people already think in threes. It's easy. You could have a, you've got a ready-made three-point outline anytime you want it, simply because we all had a past. We're living in the present. We all have a future. Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one that was and He is and He is to come. It's easy to process and think in threes. I said that in one church and after the service, a man came up to me. He was kind of smiling. He said, I tell you, while you were preaching, I was thinking in threes. I was thinking cheeseburger, french fries, and a Coke. I said, amen, it, 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 it works. We think in threes. So I want to talk to you this morning based on this wonderful story that you're very familiar with that Jesus said that he spoke in this setting. I want to talk to you first about the call to the harvest. In the harvest field now ripen, there's a work for us all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling. Hear him calling. He's calling you. Do you believe that this morning? That the Lord is still calling people into the harvest. Now that part is easy to believe. But do you believe the part there's a work for us all to do? Do you believe that we all have been called to serve the Lord in His uh, work in this life, in this great harvest field we know of as as life? When I think about um, this, I, I think the call. I'm so thankful for the Bible teaching on the call. There are two prominent aspects to the call. There is uh, the call to salvation that we all must heed and that we must respond to. And the pastor's already given that invitation, which I, I admire so much right in the middle of the service. You know, a call for anyone to submit and surrender to the wooing of the Lord. 
And then there is not only a call to salvation that we all must receive and respond to, but then there's a call to service. And that call to service, sometimes it happens simultaneously with the call to salvation, but most of the times it's a subsequent or after uh, the salvation call when that call to serve Him in a specific part of the field comes. In this story, Jesus said the Lord and the Master was getting ready to leave, and so when He did, He, he called for His servants, three of them, and He gave them talents and left and said, I will be coming back. And so when I look at the Scripture, I'm just Old Testament, New Testament, God's calling seemingly on every page. He is, he's calling Samuel when he was just a boy. He's calling Moses at the burning bush. He's calling Jeremiah in some way while he's still in his mother's womb. He is calling Isaiah in the year that King Uzziah died. In the New Testament, he's calling Peter and James and John and Andrew to leave their nets. He's calling Matthew to leave the tax collector's booth. He's calling Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus road. I ask you this morning, have you heard and responded to the call of the Lord? Are you among the saved this morning? Can you go beyond that and say, He also has called me into His field. I'm glad to note that there are specific calls that He gives. He's still calling people to preach and to teach and to minister. He's still calling them to the mission field. And by the way, thank you, Passion, for not only all you're doing here to reach this community, but what you're doing globally to assist uh, around this world. He is calling people to specific realms of service. I remember my own call. I know that some of you were involved in the youth camp this past week out at the Heartland. Forty-one years ago this summer, the Lord called me to preach at that youth camp in, uh, out at I-40 in Anderson Road. I could take you to the place. I remember the night that it happened. It was by far the most dramatic experience that I have ever had in my life. Some of us just got hungry. What, what the pastor was talking about, having a hunger for more of the Lord. Even before the service, we went up to pray. And I remember going over a little bit to this side of where the, the podium was. And, and I just began to pray. And some way, somehow, I didn't get up and, and go back to my seat. I don't remember the service started. They went ahead and had the service for over two hours. And I didn't know or hear a thing. I was still over here, some way, somehow, in the presence of the Lord. The Lord did something in my heart that night. He called me to preach. And when I got up, I began to tell people. I, I was somewhat trembling and was shaking. They knew something had happened. But I said, the Lord has called me to preach. And I remember going home and telling my father and mother, the Lord called me to preach. Do you understand? There were some things that happened that night in that call that were so precious and powerful. I have never shared with anybody. I've never preached it in a public setting. I've never even shared it privately with my wife or some of my family. I never have. And guess what? On this Sunday morning, right here, June the 17th at Passion Church, I'm going to keep that streak going. I am. How many of you know not everything that the Lord does in your life? You don't post everything on Facebook. You don't need to send out a tweet for everything. Not everything God does in your life, He doesn't want you to write a book about. There's some things you keep and you ponder in your heart. All I know is He called me that night, and I, from that moment to this, I have not 
wondered one day, what am I supposed to be doing here on the earth? I know that's unusual. I know the average person changes vocation seven or eight times, and, and that's not unusual at all. But I would tell you this Sunday morning, I thank Him for the call. I thank Him that it was real then, and it is still real today. Now, you may be sitting here saying, I'm a believer, I love the Lord, I've been worshiping right along with this service, but I've never had a specific call to a specific area of ministry. You are saying the Lord never called me to preach. He didn't call me to teach. He, I, I'm really not, you know, gifting you. I don't, I haven't had this specific call. Just because you may not have had a specific call does not mean the Lord doesn't have a place for you in the harvest field. In the harvest field now ripen, there's a work for us all to do. Do some of you know who Bill Wilson is in New York City? Metro Ministries. Bill Wilson, has he been here? Has he, Bill Wilson spoke here, all right, at Passion. Bill Wilson, if you know his story, some of you I'm sure don't know who he is. Bill has the largest Sunday school maybe in America. And it's mostly of children that they, they go around in New York City and pick them up in buses and they teach them on Saturdays and then some throughout the week. It's a tremendous ministry. Bill Wilson, when you hear his testimony, especially the first time, it will stir your heart. He was abandoned um, by his mother on the street corner. He had no father. One whole day went by in New York City. People drove by and just, the, he was still there the second day, still there. The third day, one man who had noticed him the first two days finally stopped and he took him in and, and helped get him into a home and helped uh, get him solidified and, and raised in an assembly God camp and just, I mean, his whole life trajectory changed. Bill Wilson now has a worldwide ministry. He travels around the world and speaks. Wherever he's at, he comes home, though, once a week to do what? To drive a school bus or one of their buses. And you know why he's doing it? He said, I'm looking for me. I'm looking for another little child, somebody else that's been abandoned. And the most amazing thing about his ministry to me, Bill Wilson will tell you, the Lord never called me to do it. I didn't have a call. I didn't have any kind of experience like I just described. He said, I just saw the need and the need became the call. Listen, there's some of us that are waiting around saying, I don't, I'm, you know, until he calls me, I'm not going to do it. If you can see a need and you can meet that need, the need is the call. That's God calling you just through the need. So that can happen at your home, that can happen in your family, that can happen uh, at, at work, it can happen downtown, it can happen in the church. If you see a need and you can meet the need, that need is God's call to your life. So get involved in the harvest. Let's go to the second, um, the second thought. Aren't you glad that verse didn't have, uh, that song didn't have six or eight verses this morning? Amen. The second one is simply the commitment to the harvest songwriter said it this way he said does the place you're called to labor does it seem so small and little known it is great if God is in it and he will not forsake his own that is so applicable to to this grand passage because we had a one person was given five talents one two and one was given one in the NIV it says that they were given bags of gold or bags of money. And that may be closer to what, what Jesus is, is portraying here is that it was, it was money. It was resources. It was 
it, it was commerce that they were to take and invest and make some more of. It's probably the closest, you know, proper uh, rendering of the story. In application, I think it certainly spills over into gifts and talents and abilities and anything that we can use for him in the harvest. But the one fellow had just one talent. I just want to mention him for a moment, and then I'm not going to mention him anymore. Because I didn't even read all the rest of the, the parable, what happened to him. But the fellow that had one had a misunderstanding of, of, his, of his Lord and his master. He, he had the wrong perception of him. And that's what's wrong. So many people are walking around with, with the wrong conception of who God is. A lot of them, it's because of the bad experience they had in their own relationships. And, and so we talk about a happy Father's Day, you know, and sharing to everybody. But Father's Day and Mother's Day is not happy to a lot of people because of their own relationships and, and, and fathers who were not present or abandoned them or abused them or just all kinds of scenarios. This man with the one talent went and hid his. When the Lord came back, he wasn't pleased with him at all. And he took the one and he gave it to one of the others and he dealt very justly with that man. I, 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 I think he is a picture and a portrait of, of somebody who not only doesn't understand the harvest and our role in it, but doesn't understand the Lord and His desire and His heart to do a work here upon the earth. I just want to leave Him alone and, and, and not focus on Him. But I, I, I would say to you, He was not committed at all. And, and because of it, He winds up as a footnote of the story. And, and that does not have to be the future of anybody under the sound of my voice. He went to, he gave one man five talents and another one he gave two talents. And they both did something with theirs and they were committed to the cause. I don't know if it was because the fellow only had one. He thought, well, I didn't have two. He gave him two. He gave him five. I'm only one. One's not much. And maybe if I'll hold on to it and hide it, I at least won't lose it. I don't know if he was comparing himself to the others or not. But I do know that's what many and most of us would have done because we do that sort of thing here in this generation. And, and it, it seems like we, we are suffering under an inferiority complex of walking around as just like a one or a two talented person or a man or a woman. Um, does the place you're called to labor, that's what the songwriter said, does it seem so small and little known? I think it does for a lot of us. You know, since I started serving in world missions, I just spent the whole first year just talking to as many of our pastors as we could that gave anything to missions, and I just wanted to thank them, just say, thank you for what you and your church are able to do. Almost always the response is, we wish we could do more. And that's the reply of every true great giver, I believe, that has a desire, oh, that I wish it was more. But I listened to some of the other responses and I would hear things like, well, we're just a small church. We're just a country church. We're just an old church. We're just a little church, you know, all of these different things. And I started listening. There was a word that they kept using. And I, it wasn't just those pastors, but we're using it all the time today. It's two different words, but we've turned it into just one word. It's just a. It's just a. That's two different words, but you blend them together and you got a new word, just a. And it's the reason why we're not serving Him in the harvest. I'm just a woman. 
I'm just a man. I'm just an old person. I'm, I'm just a young person. We're just a small church. We're just a little church. We're just a, we're just a, there's too much just a going on. I know I don't look like it, and some of you would have a hard time believing it, but prior to this year, I let myself go this year, but the last five years before that, I, I finished the, the Oklahoma City Memorial Half Marathon. I did, yes, indeed. Now, that sounds impressive. There you are. All right. I'll receive all of that and more. <laughs> my, my wife, has, my wife has, has run about 10 of them, okay, half marathons. And our daughter, Tara, she's run, you know, uh, maybe a dozen full, full marathons. But I remember people, they would say, they would say, um, they found out, you know, you run and say, oh, yeah, by the way, the difference between them and me, they enjoy running. I never did. Okay. But people say, oh, you're running a marathon? And I'd say, no, just a half. Just a half. And then it hit me one day. Just a half? Do you understand a half is 13 miles? What am, what am I doing saying just a half? I can drive 13 miles and get tired. Listen, 13 miles. I quit saying just a Brother Ely, they used to ask me some when I was traveling, you know, say, oh, are you, the, are, are you the president of the school? And I'd say, no, just a professor, just a teacher. Are you the academic dean? No, I'm just a teacher. And then it hit me, just a teacher. If there's no teachers, there's no students. There's no university. Can we, by agreement, do our best to get rid of the just a language and bury it and not say it anymore? Because little is much. Amen. When God gets in it and He begins to bless, praise His holy name. I drove by an airport earlier, maybe this year or the, or the, the end of last year, and it's, it's a smaller uh, community, and it said, had the name of the, the, the city, and it said, uh, no, it said International Airport. And I just chuckled. I said, who are they calling themselves an International Airport, you know, in this little place? But you know what I found out? If... If an airport in America makes one flight overseas to another country or brings in one flight from another country here, do you understand not only can they call themselves an international airport, they have to call themselves an international airport. You know what that means? If you support one missionary, if you sponsor one child, if you work on one mission project or one mission trip, do you understand you're an international church? Some churches have international or world outreach center in their name. And that's fine. That's good. Especially if that's what they want to emphasize. But I'm telling you, you don't have to even have it in your name. But you can have it in your heart if you're doing even just one. Little as much when God gets in it. Amen. I see a lot of connection with people that we've been at Southwestern for. And I'm always forever be indebted to... Um, Brother Bob Ely, he was the first one that had me come and teach uh, for him back in the year 2000. I taught my first class. And I finished 15 years, about a year and a half ago, part of the full-time uh, faculty. But uh, uh, for two years in there, we just did adjunct teaching. I was finishing my degree. But he had me come and teach my first class. You know how many was in that first preaching class I taught? Four. I had four young boys. Somebody said, what would you do with them? I did the only thing I could. I split them up into small groups. What can you do? You get... 
So I was thinking sometime back, whatever happened to those four fellas, you know, in that class? Man, I feel sorry for them, you know, having to hear me back then teach that first time. Um, Sam Saw was in that class. The last I heard, he's on the staff still out of the church in, uh, in California. Roger Jackson was in that class. Roger went on and became the principal of a Christian school here in, uh, in the metro area. Shane Elrod was in that class. Shane, I preached for him a few months ago and pastor in the Honey Path, Pentecostal Holiness Church in Upper South Carolina. And the fourth fellow was Justin Blankenship. Maybe you've heard of Justin. All right, he's doing fairly well down in Purcell, pastoring the church where my daddy was when he left us for heaven and justice is just taking it on to another level. That was the four. Wonder what happened to those. Boy, it didn't. Just out of the next semester. Well, they trusted me a little more. I got to do a lifestyle evangelism and discipleship class. You know how many I had? Six. Amen. We're on the way up. I said, I thought the other day, what happened to those six? Keith Cochran was in that class. And the last I heard, he was on the staff as a youth pastor back in the Carolinas. Neil Barlow and Christy Smith, who became Christy Barlow, they were in that class. Back-to-back servant award winners. And she became the women's ministries. She is the women's ministries uh, director for the New Horizons Conference. And he's pastoring still in Paul's Valley. And is on, I think, the Board of Regents uh, now for the school. Um, Kyle Phillips was in that class. He's pastoring a church of about 250 up in Sullivan, Missouri. Andy Davidson was in that class. Andy went on and did mission work in Zambia. And the sixth person in that class was... um, Young lady, maybe you've heard of her, Adrian Hinkle. Okay. She became my boss at the college. She got her doctorate degree and became the, the academic dean, as it were, the, uh, over, the, uh, over our, um, our, our division. What are you saying? I'm saying little is much when God is in it. You say, I've only got a small class, a small group, a small part of people with influence. Who knows what they're going to do and what they're going to become? And what they're already... Are you hearing me today? Oh, don't get weary in well-doing. Beloved, we will reap in due season if you faint not. You just got to be committed to the harvest. Committed to the harvest. That brings me to the last verse of the stanza, which simply is the conclusion. And the the wonderful truth here is this thing's going to have an end to it uh, one of these days. When the conflict here is ended and our race on earth is run, he will say, if uh, we were faithful, come, my child, you've made it home. You know what happened at the end of this story? The Lord came back. Can I tell you something? The Lord's coming back. Amen. Oh, he's coming back. He's not late. He's right on time. He's right on schedule. The Lord came back. And Revelation 22 said that he's coming back and he said, my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. And so he came to the one that had five talents. And he said, what did you do with what I gave you? The one that had five said, I took them and I got five more. You know what the Lord said to him? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And then he came to the two-talent man. I've already told you about the one-talent man. I'm tired of talking about him. Five-talent man got five more. He came to the two-talent man. Here's the character that I want to relate to and identify with if I can. 
in the story. He said, what, are, what did you do with what I gave you? And he said, I took the two and I got two more. Now, what did the Lord say to him? Here's what the Lord didn't say. The Lord did not say, two, you only got two more. You've only got four. He had five to start with. He's got ten and you've only got four. Did the Lord say that? Was that in the story? Was the Lord comparing him to anybody else? Was he saying, well, look what he's done or look what she's done or look what that church has done? Read it again. You know what the Lord said to the two-talent man when he said, I got two more? The Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Word for word. Word for word. Exactly the same. Would you agree with me this morning? There is absolutely no equality when it comes to the distribution of talents and gifts and finances and resources. I don't have to look far. I can look on on just about any day, anywhere I go, and there's people that are more gifted than I am or ever will be. There are people that are far, with far greater ability. So I'm so glad we're not going to be judged compared to them. We're going to be judged. What did we do with what He gave us? There is no equality in the distribution of the gifts, but the equality came in the distribution of the rewards. And it's based on faithfulness. Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord, the beloved champion, just a a few months ago. And somebody said, I wonder what kind of reward Billy Graham's going to have in heaven. That's a question. Can you imagine the multiplied millions that were won to the Lord directly or indirectly as a result of his ministry? You've got to agree with me. Surely that's going to be a great reward. But I just wonder if it might be the same reward of a faithful man or woman of God, faithfully serving Him, where the Lord put them and planted them, what they did with the gifts and abilities that God gave them. If Billy Graham did the very best that he could with what God gave him, and if this unknown man or woman does the same thing, I just wonder if the reward is going to be the same in heaven. That's the way the Lord does it. Well done. Amen. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Could I ask the keyboardist to come and play something softly? I'm not finished, but you'll know I am when you start to hear the music. Am I the only one that likes to hear the music at the end? Now, you're laughing, but I'm serious. The mu- when I hear the music at the end, sometimes that's the only hope that I have that we're going to get out of here, Okay. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you been in any of those services? You're... Anything in a major key will fit, Catherine. Anything? I feel better already, don't you? Oh, yeah. I may or may not be any closer to finishing, but you think I am, so already. Mission is achieved. No, I'm almost finished. I do like the music at the end and it frames it all together. If you would have asked anybody, pastors, come in and preach the simplest message you could. I don't know if anybody could have topped this one. This is about as basic as it gets. He's called us. wants us to be committed to it. And then He's coming and there will be a conclusion one of these days. Little as much when God gets in it. You understand? He takes loaves and fishes 
just seven pieces of food and can multiply it and feed thousands. That's God's mathematics. He can turn water into wine. He can take what you have, multiply it, and touch so many people. I share with you two, two quick stories and then I'm finished. Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China, set up a table one time, a booth. He was trying to get people to sign up to go with him, serve extended periods of time with him in China, and not too many people were coming by. But there was a man who only had one leg by the name of George Stott. And George came up on crutches, and he said, I want to go to China. Hudson Taylor interviewed him for a while, and he finally asked him, he said, let me ask you a question. How is it that you have only one leg? And you want to come and go help me do mission work in China. And George Stott simply said, I just didn't see too many people with two legs coming to sign up. The other story is from a woman, also mission related, who also went to China at a different time by the name of Gladys Allward. And Gladys, uh, Gladys had a faithful time of many decades of ministry to children and others in China. They made a movie out of her years ago that was pretty, pretty close to faithful to, to her story. They asked Gladys Allward one day, said, why do you think the Lord called you to do this great work? I mean, she rescued children. She led them to safety. She did all of these exploits. Just a woman. There it is again. Just a, just a woman. Why do you think the Lord picked you? And she said, I don't know. She said, I'm pretty sure I wasn't God's first choice. Sidebar, story within a story. Um, Tennessee's football coach uh, last year got fired, okay? Uh, was it Butch Jones? I think that was his name. Uh, he, he didn't win enough games, so... They, they fired him. But I remember when he was hired. And when they hired him, they said, does it bother you that, that you were not the first choice because two or three people had been offered the job and they turned it down? And Bush Jones said, um, no. He said, I don't think I was my wife's first choice either. He said, but we've been married about 30 years now. So I thought of that when I thought of Gladys Allward. When they asked this lady who did so much, they said, why do you think God picked you? She said, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I wasn't his first choice. She said, I don't know who his first choice was. She said, it was probably a man. And she said, I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he got sick. Maybe he died. Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe he wouldn't go. But she said, what I think happened is the Lord said in heaven, he pointed down and said, look, there's Gladys. She'll go. She'll do it. We can count on her. She said, I think that's why he chose me. And so I've replayed that in my mind. I wonder why I've been able to do even the little that the Lord's let me do in these last 41 years. But I just wonder in heaven if the Lord one day said, He'll do it. I know it. 40 years from now, He'll still be doing it. It's not because He does it any better than so many people could, but, but He can do it. And He will do it. So let's choose Him.
So the Lord's just looking today. Who will go and work in the field? Who will be a part of the harvest? Who's going to stay with it until the conclusion? And the Lord's coming and He's going to say to those who are faithful, Well done. Well done. Will you stand with me today? All over this place, just close your eyes for a moment. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Spirit. Thank You for these that are here. And right here in the solemnness of this hour, I just pray that you'll take this truth to the center of our spirit. Help us to respond to a call if you're dealing with any of us. And if you're not dealing specifically with a definite call, help us to be on the lookout for needs. Because you call to us every day through the needs. Lord, make these precious men and women and young people faithful. Faithful in the field. And give them that assurance that one day when you come and you call, it'll be worth it all. Because your reward is with you. And you may have a crown for us that we can turn around and cast at your holy feet. And I pray this in your blessed name. Amen. 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 Father, we just pray you'd seal this word. I pray that any of us that have been sitting on the sidelines. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.